Hey there, welcome to the show. So I hope everybody has enjoyed the March break so far. If you are out enjoying it, if you're off this past week, lots of the kids are. And of course, what should you be doing on March break? Well, if you ask a realtor, you should be out looking for a new home because this is the time of year where so many people are thinking of moving. And why? Why is March and April the big months? Well, of course, when we talk about home sales, we always talk about the school areas and what happens in the summer. Everybody has the summer off, so it makes more sense to to uh, close and move in the summer. So, you know, I think most people know that, but this is one of the big times of year where we start seeing properties come on the market. And you know what? We could definitely use it. So lots to talk about this hour. And just so you know, I do have two great guests joining me. I've got Bob Vandervrand, and Bob is a broker of record at Apex Results Realty and Burlington. Bob actually wrote a great article regarding the MLS and how it needs to be opened up right across Ontario. So uh, basically everybody could be on the Toronto board. You know, Toronto has, you know, way over 55,000 agents registered on it. So, you know, they are controlling a bigger part of the market. So perhaps they, we should all just have one big board. And so Bob's going to talk about that when he joins me a little bit later in the hour. I've got Dave Butler joining me from BM Select. Always great to have Dave on. We are going to talk about a slew of things. We've got a lot to talk about this week. You know, interest rates, you know, what the government's doing, you know, should we be looking at helocs and so much more. So looking forward to having those guests join me in a little while. But uh, do want to talk about something coming up really important. We have our next real estate investment webinar coming up and it's called the Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar. That's going to be on Thursday, April the 28th at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. Just to throw it out there, uh, just so you know, when you join me for the webinar, I will be talking about who makes the best tenant, where are the best places to live, and what makes real estate investment worth it. You know, this is a question that people ask me all the time. We've been doing this for years now, but why is investment real estate so important? I got to tell you, I'm going to break down the numbers for you during the webinar, and I think it's going to be staggering. A lot of people always look at the appreciation part of it. And so, you know, it didn't it didn't take a lot for people to make money in real estate for the last couple of years as we've watched prices increase. But there's a lot more to it than that. It's not just about setting and forgetting. You know, you've got to talk about, you know, what people consider the biggest obstacle, which are tenants. And, you know, how do you get around a bad tenant? How do you work with tenants? How do you make people happy? There's so much involved in investment real estate. And these are some of the things that we will break down during the webinar. And it's one of the things that we do here at The Simple Investor on a regular basis. So don't forget, you can sign up at thesimpleinvestor.com or you can follow me on Instagram, the Simple Investor one But a lot of things going on in the market right now. I do want to talk about you know, some of the pressures that the market is feeling. One very important thing is rent. So there are so many people that rent in the country that, you know, a lot of people just kind of forget about it. They, they, they always think that, you know, you've got people that haven't bought their home yet, that they're going to be tenants in the very beginning. You know, they get the hang of it, they save up some money, and then they go and move into their very own property. But do you know that there are people that, you know, pretty much will never own a property and it's by their own decision. 
they are not the ones sitting there saying, no, I must have home ownership. In fact, a lot of people, they actually don't want to own. They don't want to have to deal with the repairs. They don't want to have to deal with the maintenance and the issues and the mortgages and everything else. So they will rent. In fact, that number is starting to climb in Canada. When we take a look at the overall population, anywhere from 34 to 36% of all Canadians will rent. But that number, you know, over the next five to 10 years is going to go up. And in fact, they could, we could be taking a look at a, a number almost at 40% of the population will be tenants. Now, I know there's a few of you that are saying, well, hey, Todd, it's because we can't afford to buy. I, I'm going to say yes and no. There are people that have just decided it's not worth, you know, having ownership, that they would rather take their money, invest it somewhere else. Uh, in fact, I know some people that they rent their home, but they own investment properties. They're letting somebody else pay down their mortgage, and that way they don't have to. You know, they can turn around, lock the key in their condo, go away for a little while, and when they come back, it's still there, and the repairs are not up to them. So there is a different, you know, mindset sometimes with tenants. It's not because they can't afford to buy. It's because they don't want to. And I think that this is what's been creating a big problem here and you know you can you can see with the campaigns that are starting to warm up you know again real estate probably one of the hottest topics and of course we know them you know one of the main ones was covid and you know with the masks coming off tomorrow if you decide then you know where is the next next hot topic well it's going to remain real estate for years to come it's going to always be you know top one two or three you know i can't see it ever falling by the wayside but here's here's what's happening you know, we've got some of these election promises, everybody's saying everybody should be have the right to own a property. But what if you don't want to? So they're almost, you know, they're pandering to a certain group that are they're trying to encourage to have home, home ownership, despite the fact they don't want home ownership. They would rather rent. So where do we go with this? Where, where are we going to go with all these commitments? You know, the fact that people want to throw out the idea that they're going to throw in, you know, about 1.5 you know, million properties over the next few years. Okay, well, we all know that's BS. That's not going to happen. We can't build that fast. We don't have enough people to build. So what about the number of rental properties? Again, that number, they're not putting an absolute out there. They'll talk about 1.5 million properties because they're, they're, they're swinging the carrot for ownership. But how about the number of renters, you know, the rentals that we're going to require? Where is that number? I would like to see at least somebody, one of the campaigns, and hey, you know what? If any of the politicians that are trying to get elected are listening, I would be happy to have you join me here at Simply Real Estate, and I would be happy to interview you and let you tell us what you're going to do for the rental market, because that's the one that I think is being left behind the most. You know, yeah, we want to create a dream for people. Yes, we want people to be have the right or the ability to own. But what about the tenants? And this is where I think it is being, you know, definitely, uh, you know, forgotten about. And I think that if some of the politicians would turn around and recognize this, because it's a lot easier for them to turn around and give some developers the ability you know, cut back on some of the development charges and give them the ability to build purpose-built rental properties. Yes, I know we've been seeing a few that have been popping up, but not nearly enough. There's no way we're going to keep up with it. And what about some of the, you know, some of the Toronto community housing? You know, there are a ton of properties that are just, they're desolate, they're in terrible shape, they're non-livable. 
you know, the, you've already got the brick walls. Why not go in and get those renovations done? We need to turn around and worry about the rental stock. There's not enough inventory there. And that I think is going to be a much bigger problem than people having home ownership in the future. And especially with the amount of people that are immigrating into Canada. So I think that this has got to have, you know, a big focus. So Again, I'm happy to ask anybody that is running for office, if you want to join me here on the show, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to probably hit you between the eyes a million times because I want to know where the numbers come from. Because so far, the numbers that keep getting promised through any campaign are not achievable. There's not one politician that can achieve the numbers that they've given us and they can't back it up with any data that says they have the ability of building 1.5 million homes in the next 10 years. We don't have the trades. You know, and this is this has been one of my conversations that I've had a lot with the professionals, even the economists, they all agree. If we're going to allow more people into the country, we need the trades to come in. You know what? Find the bricklayers, find the plumbers, electricians, find everybody we can. Because again, if we can build it, people are going to buy it. People are going to rent it. We're going to increase employment. I mean, this is what has to be the solution. And yet nobody truly, truly wants to address it. Yeah, you get a little bit of lip service here and there, and then everything falls flat. So is that what's going to happen after the next provincial election? How about after the next you know, federal election? All the promises that were made are not going to be followed through and we're going to continue to have this problem and everybody wants to wrap it up in one big title saying we have a housing crisis. So, and then they want to blame everybody for it. It's the greedy investors. It's the people that are lying. It's the foreign investors. You know, the numbers don't substantiate any of that. The truth is we need more product. And when we take a look at what's going on right now, rents going up. Look, you know, Toronto, they vacated pretty much during the pandemic. Now the rents are starting to climb back up. You know what? It was kind of a good little reprieve for people. Things became a little bit more affordable. But now the prices are going to go back up because people are going to come back to work. And when that happens, again, rents will continue to go up because there's just not enough inventory in the downtown core. So we're going to be looking at that $2,100, $2,200, $2,300 a month for a one-bedroom. So this is what we're going to be looking at. There's nothing that can be done about it until we actually get everybody on sign. Municipalities and the government, they've got to get together and they've got to build more. That's as simple as it gets. But speaking of simple, as I mentioned, we've got our simple real estate investment webinar coming up on April the 28th at 7 p.m. You can go to simpleinvestor.com to register. I'm going to be talking about all sorts of things when it comes down to the world of investment real estate. You know, I do like talking about obviously home ownership. I like talking about the markets, you know, what people should be doing, how important it is to make sure you're pre-qualified, you know, do the necessary inspections, you know, don't rush, you know, don't get in over your head. These are all important things. And so this is why I like to bring on the experts that I have as far as a panel. Um, and again, coming up uh, just after the break, I've got Bob Vandervrand. He's going to be joining me. He is currently the broker of record at Apex Result Realty in Burlington. And a little bit later in the hour, I've got Dave Butler joining me. So make sure you stay with us. We'll be right back after this. 
And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, my next guest joining me, uh, he is the broker of record at Apex Results Realty in Burlington. And joining me now is Bob Vandervrand. And Bob, thanks for joining me today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So Bob, maybe you can just give our listeners just a, a little bit of your background. Tell us, you know, how long you've been in real estate, you know, some of the things that you've been able to do over the last several years. Yes, I've been in real estate since 1989. So going on uh, 30 two years now, 33 years. Uh, I've been broker of record of our company since 2009, and the company's been in existence since 1992. So very good history. I've been past president of the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington, and a board member for a number of years there. Um, so lots of experience in the area and uh, happy to work with buyers and sellers in the area as well. So I keep my hands right in the middle of everything. Bob, you know, there was an article that caught our eye and I do want to chat with you about it because again, you know, having been in real estate for, uh, you know, over 30 years myself, um, I, I kind of agreed with the headline and, and your take on it. And basically um, the article was, what will it take to get one integrated MLS system? Can you, can you expand on our listeners uh, with that? Certainly. Um, from the realtor's perspective, um, which is understandably not the most important one because we're there to serve buyers and sellers, but we have a very fractured MLS system in Ontario where there are a number of boards, more than 30 in fact. And while there has been some integration of data where some nine or 10 boards are sharing data, um, there is still a major gap in that most of those boards do not share their data with the Toronto Real Estate Board, uh, which is the biggest board not only in Canada or Ontario, but in fact in the world. And since they have many, many agents and uh, people working there, it's very, very important for sellers that their listing be exposed on the Toronto boards in order that it obtains maximum exposure. So it's my feeling that any listing which is not exposed on the Toronto board, that those sellers are not receiving adequate exposure and ultimately not necessarily the best price for their homes. Um, and a fully integrated system would allow that. And it is possible. It just seems there are boards that are resisting that. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, I think it's a great point for our listeners' sake. You know, Bob, I think you probably have watched um, going through the pandemic for the last couple of years, you know, as people migrate out into outer markets. If somebody's, you know, going to move, let's say, an hour away, let's, you know, talk about, let's say, London, for example, you know, the homes on, on, on a London listing on their, on their MLS listing do not appear necessarily in Toronto which means that people here in Toronto, they have to work a little bit harder to figure out what some of these properties are that are out there for them. Uh, th that's correct. Um, unless the London agent has a membership with Toronto or sends the listing to Toronto to be loaded onto that MLS, those agents in Toronto who may have clients looking as far as London do not have ready access to it. They would need to take out a local membership or be a member of a board that happens to share data with London. 
and many of them, of course, are, but not all 55,000 plus agents in Toronto have memberships with other boards. And so that listing may not receive adequate exposure. Um, I had a case recently myself where I listed a property in St. Catharines that had been previously listed, but only on the local board. So it was available to close to 10,000 salespeople, but not necessarily the 55,000 plus in Toronto. And when I listed it, um, it sold very quickly. And not surprisingly, it was with a Toronto agent who brought us a very, very good offer. You know, this is, uh, I think this is an interesting take because, you know, for years, uh, and, and it's just, I think, recently that we've started to see some of the boards expand and uh, accept Toronto as well, because for years, I know a lot of them, they were very, they're very singular. They wanted to contain all their, their information. You know, normally they would flag a listing, you know, out of market listing and, and almost impossible to get it on other boards. So where and how could this move forward? What would it take and who would be involved to be able to get this to be able to go through? Well, the Toronto Regional Real Estate Board has indicated for many years now that they are willing to partner with any board that wants to partner with them. And other boards have done that. Durham has done that. Brampton has done that. And so they have fully integrated access with Toronto and any listing appearing on, say, the Brampton board automatically appears on the Toronto Real Estate Board as well. Um, the Realtors Association of Hamilton Burlington, for example, does not have such a partnership, but could. They've partnered with another group called ITSO uh, for technical purposes, and they share data with about nine other boards. And so all of their members have the listings available, but that doesn't necessarily expose a particular listing, say in Hamilton, Burlington, Niagara, London, Woodstock on the Toronto boards. Those agents are still required to list or send their listing to Toronto. And then there's all kinds of time delays and inconvenience in doing that. So many agents, unfortunately, still don't do that. And it's my belief that those clients are being underserved by having their listing not fully exposed on the market. Um, when I first got into the business, um, agents may come from Toronto and sell in Mississauga and Oakville, Burlington, and eventually they went as far as Hamilton. But it's not at all unusual now for Toronto Markham agents to be going as far as Niagara, Woodstock, and Windsor, uh, either for investors or for uh, clients who are going to reside in the homes. And so those listings really need to be exposed on the Toronto boards in order for those clients to get maximum exposure. Well, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, it transpires over the next few years. So let's talk about uh, your marketplace, Bob, uh, in Burlington, of course, you know, um, you know, wonderful area to live. It seems like the market values are going up like the rest of the GTA area. Um, can you tell us what you kind of foresee happening in this spring market? Well, I, I've told our salespeople for years that the only reason there's a spring market is because it's spring. Um, what we used to see 10, 15 or more years ago, that there was a huge surge of new listings in the spring. That hasn't been the case as much in recent years. Uh, the winter, even summer markets have been very, very strong. And uh, we expect that to continue. Um, prices are still going up, 
but not quite as rapidly as they were before. There seems to be a bit more reluctance on the part of buyers to get into these bidding situations. And uh, some listings are actually not selling on the hold offer dates and buyers are having an opportunity to pick those up without necessarily bidding against a number of other buyers. Um, so it may be stabilizing in terms of activity. There is more inventory, more homes available on the market, which gives buyers more to choose from. And um, let, let's say the insanity level has been slightly reduced. <laughs> you know, I think I think most people in the industry are looking forward to a little bit more of a balanced market. You know, we know that a lot of, you know, buyers out there in the marketplace, they, you know, when they hit against the wall so many times and multiple offers, they get a little bit of frustration happening. So I think definitely a balanced market is something that we can look forward to if it happens over the next little while. And um, so, Bob, if we were to, uh, if, if our listeners want to reach out to you, you know, especially for the Burlington area, can you, uh, can you tell us the best way for them to reach you? Sure. Um, they can reach me through my office, uh, 905-332-4111, or my email is easy burlington bob at hotmail.com excellent well listen bob i really appreciate you joining me today uh been a great pleasure having you on the show and look forward to chatting with you in the future thanks very much stay well and that was bob vandevrand and he is the broker of record at apex results realty in burlington ontario and you know interesting you know a lot of people you know don't really know the inner workings of the listings and when we talk about the mls system so you know good point would it be better to have one system for the entire province uh, you know what? I think that would be a great idea. I think everybody should have access to a listing and there really shouldn't be any barriers when we're trying to get, you know, the most knowledge out there. So I think, uh, you know, great idea. And, you know, hopefully we'll see something happen uh, in the near future for that. But when we come back, I've got Dave Butler joining me from BM Select. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Um, hey, listen, if uh, if you haven't ever joined us for our webinar, and that is the Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar, you know what? Our next one's coming up on Thursday, April the 28th, and it's at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. I will have a special new release coming out, so you don't want to miss that. Um, you know what? We've uh, had an incredible start to the year. Everything seems to be going, and uh, yeah, you're right. I've been holding back. I've got a new release, and it will be announced Thursday, April the 28th, during the Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar. So go to simpleinvestor.com to register, and uh, you can find out more about what's going on. But uh, you know what? Somebody that always helps keep it in line and keep us up to date Dave Butler from BM Select is joining me now. Dave, welcome back. Thank you very much, Todd. Thanks for being here. Uh, you know what? It's it's the place to be, Dave. On Sundays, you know, noon, you know, I don't really have anything else that I'd rather be doing than having a chat with you about real estate. And of course, when we take a look at real estate, you and I talk about mortgages all the time. Let's talk about the overall effect of the Bank of Canada raising the uh, the rates by a quarter point. Do you think uh, do you think we're going to see you know the market flatten out a little? Not necessarily in terms of units. I think we're going to continue to be pretty hot uh, going into the spring and summer. I just got the release of our February statistics for our company, um, and we were up on units thirty five percent. Now, certainly, a lot of that 
is going to be from refinancing because as you know, Todd, and we talked about it before when it was put out there that the Bank of Canada may be increasing rates, we felt like there was a lot of people rushing to the line to try to lock in or to try to refinance. Um, but in reality, I mean, I think, you know, the way, way we've looked at it in terms of the spring and summer market is that uh, we definitely think there's going to be some supply coming online. A lot of people like to show their homes and sell their homes in the spring, summer when they got their flower gardens and everything else and everything looks nice and beachy. Um, we definitely expect the supply and demand to come a little bit more in line, but it's it's so far off. It's at such a wide range that uh, uh, we're definitely expecting units to be pretty high this year. Maybe not as big as 2021, but um, this should be a pretty strong year. Yeah, I know. I know we're going to be waiting for the numbers, and I think March is going to be a bit of a telltale. But you know, if we if we do look at February, as you mentioned, numbers are up. Uh, in fact, when we take a look at prices year over year, when we look at uh, you know uh, February, thirty one percent house prices up, condos twenty six percent over last year. Dave, those are those are big numbers. And, you know, this this goes into the narrative. You and I hear it all the time. How can people afford this? You know, where where do you think we're going to go with this? I mean, you know, a little bit of upward pressure. Should this not kind of flatten the market out? Um, you know, you would think so. But I think we're, you know, as as human beings and especially here in Canada with with the with the raises in equity, I think we're very resilient. I, I, I actually think and I can tell you that, you know, a quarter percent raise doesn't seem to be stopping the buyers that we're talking to, um, if anything, you know, we, we, we've seen people, especially the younger generation, the first time buyers definitely getting their parents involved more. Um, I've also seen people buying homes together. I mean, I think at the end of the day, we, again, we're human beings. If you put something in front of us, a roadblock by nature, people are going to try to figure out ways around it. Some of those ways are, you know, us advising clients that maybe if you added someone to an application, this may help. Um, and we are seeing that. I mean, just recently we did a younger couple, two couples moving into a home together. It was a large home, but um, that was the decision they made. And I, as much as it might seem odd to a lot of people, um, that's what younger people and people entering the market right now are looking at, um, you know, with regards to the prices and the costs of things. So um, again, resiliency. And I think people, you know, much like a group of ants, you know, we all seen the, you know, a big anthill, a bunch of ants, you put something in front of it and you watch, what do they do? They don't just stop and turn around. They figure out ways to go around. I think that's what we're seeing. Great analogy. I don't know how many listeners want to be referred to as ants, but I get it. <laughs> uh, you know, Dave, when 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 you do bring that up, though, and you're right, people do, they, they are resilient. You know, they do have this passion. You know, has it really been fueled by the pandemic? Do you think that this has been the, you know, really the gasoline that's lit the ultimate fire? Because, you know, when we when we went through and you know, I've been talking about this for years, but, you know, we watched the, the 2016 run up. Then we watched, obviously, the wrong people get involved in the marketplace in 2017, where we saw it, you know, basically hit a wall for a little while. You know, 2018, 19 interest rates, people had to absorb a little bit higher. As soon as COVID hits, everybody, you know, panicked literally for a about a week saying, you know, because we had CMHC reporting all the time saying market's going to crash, we're going to have, you know, catastrophe. And everybody said, forget it, we need a place to live. Yeah, I think markets are forward looking. So I mean, as much as I think, you know, a lot of people were out there trying to uh, dampen it, you know, with with respect to, you know, CMHC's report, as you said, turned out to be a massive flop. Um, you know, the reality is this interest rates staying very low, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, lack of a better word, chaos amongst the uh, out in the world. Um, 
you know, a lot of people talk about, well, you know, when will we have a return to normalcy in the housing market? Well, maybe we need a return to normalcy in the world first. And I think that's what people need to start to look at is that if the world continues, you know, with a lot of these things that are happening, I mean, we've got COVID, we've got wars going on. Um, these are not generally things that are going to lead to, uh, you know, rates increasing. Um, and that's certainly what is the likely water needed for the real estate fire. Um, without that, all you're doing is really throwing things on a fire, which unfortunately those things usually burn unless it is able to extinguish. So, um, you know, I, I just think, I think the pandemic certainly was a big spark, but I think a lot of the other things, you know, the pandemic leading to lumber prices being up and everything else and, and the ability for builders to no longer, you know, build the, at the pace that they wanted to. Um, and of course, Canada not stopping and continuing to bring in the, um, uh, you know, a, a massive amount of uh, immigration that they're, that they're doing. Um, you know, that was in essence, if we were looking at a fire that's effectively like gasoline on the fire. You know, with the, uh, with the pandemic, you and I both watched because we talked about it throughout, you know, in the last couple of years is that every time something gets lifted, when a little bit more freedom is given, we've watched that the market isn't quite as aggressive. It's almost like when you're locked down, you've got your, your keyboard in front of you and you go home shopping. But, you know, you and I noticed last summer that, you know, as soon as we could open up and go to a patio, the mar market, I'm not going to say it softened because the prices didn't change, but just the activity kind of cooled out. So tomorrow we're lifting our masks. You know, do, do you think that people are going to be like, you know, running down the beach naked kind of thing <laughs> when and, and not looking at homes? Because, again, this has been kind of the knee jerk reaction that we've seen over the last few years. Yeah, I definitely, definitely think there would be an element of that. Um, you know, but on the on the flip side, I think the timing is interesting because, again, this is when we're going into that spring and summer market. And as much as most Canadians are now just going to want to focus on going back to normal life, there is still a large portion of people that were actually holding off on selling their home or holding off on buying their home until there was more supply. So I think as much as you will have those people um, now not necessarily looking at the housing market and going and living their normal lives, there is still going to be a segment of people that was waiting for the for the weather turnaround, for the seasonal turnaround. And so I think there will be a bit of an equilibrium there. But, you know, the funny thing about this, Todd, is we will see at some point in the summer, the stats will very much point to the direction of the year. But overall, I still think units will be quite high. And uh, I think supply and demand may come a bit more in line. I think that may be the theme of 2022 is a little bit more equilibrium. And I think that's something that we need for a healthy market. No, I think I think we do. And, and, and you're right. The equilibrium is going to be very important because we can't stay this hot. And I think... I think eventually you do get some buyers that just say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to step back for now. Okay. Because they, they get to a point where, you know, they've lost too many times, you know, they get excited because again, there's that emotion. Real estate is very much an emotional thing, especially when you're buying it for a primary residence. Oh, hundred percent. This isn't a stock. I mean, it's extremely easy. You know, let's we go back to the stocks. What do they say is the worst decision to make when you're investing um, is to get emotionally attached to a stock. Well, the difference with a home, much like investing in a stock, is that it's extremely easy to get emotionally tied to it because you're living in it. You like it. You see it. You know, with a stock, you want to buy it based on, you know, the fundamentals, you know, the, where the stock's going to go. But with houses, it's a completely different mindset. So it is so easy to get emotionally attached. And you're right. 
emotions is is something that definitely will uh, be a massive part of real estate. And as you say, um, it will likely move the market in some way. So Dave, we're going to go a quick break. But folks, when we come back, I've got more with Dave Butler from PM Select. Um, we're going to kind of delve into the investment and rental market because again, lots of things going on there and you definitely don't want to miss out. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. Joining me right now is Dave Butler from BM Select, no stranger to the show. And Dave, just before the break, you and I were having a conversation, obviously, about the heat of the market and the emotion that gets tied up. Um, I want to switch gears a little. Uh, a couple things that came out in the news. Uh, so the uh, Canada's bank regulators, they're, they're kind of wanting to target some of the combined mortgage HELOC loan plans. What, uh, where, where do you think we are with that? You know, they've, they've teased this for so long. Um, you know, the whole home equity line of credit um, being taken away. I mean, I've heard the rumors for years that people are going to just wake up and the banks are going to close home equity line of credit. Um, I don't think it's that easy. It's actually not that easy. Um, you know, and I think certainly that may be something that the Bank of Canada would want to look at as, as, as something that could actually really be a bad thing for the market. Um, you know, they listen, when you create a monster, you have to be careful with how you put it back in the box. And, um, you know, I think there's an element of that, certainly with the home equity line of credits. But, um, you know, we also hear about the threat of 35% down, uh, as opposed to 20% down, that being the minimum down payment that the government may look to enforce on investors. Um, but I think I've talked about this before, and you and I have made very good points on this, that, you know, again, we talk about resiliency earlier in the show. Um, investors are also extremely resilient people. If you're going to change the down payments, you're going to make it harder for them to invest. Um, we've seen investors decide to get tricky. And I think the worst part about that is it starts to create an element of uh, mischievousness, you know, and, and by that, I think the government doesn't want that. You know, when you start to put 35% down payment as the minimum for investors, is that not, and I think I've seen this before, is it not going to create investors trying to find loopholes around that? You know, we've seen abuse of the secondary home program for years uh, by some investors. Uh, we've seen people, you know, use use uh, owner-occupied, you know, and I'm holding up bunny ear quotes here, you know, um, I think that's something we don't want to get ourselves into. I think the 20% down payment is healthy. I just think certainly that we need to go back and look at supply, you know, again, and, you know, I, I've said this before on the show, it's funny to me that the government is focusing on how to curb demand, when in reality, they should be focusing on how to get supply to an equilibrium level with demand. And uh, that to me is interesting that they just don't focus on the S when they should be, uh, when they should be focusing on it as opposed to demand. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad you brought it up because you know obviously rents are starting to have some upward pressure. You know people are returning to the downtown core. We've watched um, now that about sixteen percent increase in the rental prices over the last little while since we saw it completely soften up in the beginning of 2020. So Dave, here here we are. We're sitting here with you know low low supply of rental properties. And, you know, my question is, and I, I, I don't mind calling out the government on it, because A, we've got a provincial election coming up. You know, what are they prepared to do to facilitate more rental properties? And, you know, here's the thing. Whenever we talk about some of the major corporations, the big, big landlords, everybody gets their, their shorts in a knot and they get upset because they think, okay, big, greedy landlords, they're making too much money. Okay, so here's the solution. So why not let just, you know, mom and pop come in? That's We see a lot of the investors like that. Maybe they own one or two. You know, they're t definitely 
utilizing them for the right reason. They're not driving a Ferrari because they own an investment property. A lot of times people are now utilizing investment properties to help their kids get through university in the future, maybe help them get a down payment. You know, the majority of single unit investors out there, they're doing it for the right reason. But here we've got a government that's sitting there saying, you know, they're trying to limit that ability and at the same time, they're not really focusing on the the aspect that we need more rental properties because, again, taking a look at mass immigration that's going to come in, 450,000 people to immigrate into Canada this year. This is the number they set out. That's the number they want to achieve. Could go over that. Half of them are going to come into the GTA. So where are we going to come up with these properties? And I find that the narrative that's been put out in the media, everybody wants to talk about the greedy landlord, but quite frankly, you know, the majority of landlords, especially down in the downtown core, they are not, you know, uh, positive cash flow. They're negative. They're really hoping that something happens in the future. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's to me, it's funny that, you know, the people want to focus on attacking investors when, as you pointed out, you've got institutions still able to buy. If the rules for everyday mom and pop investors change, that actually gives way more power to institutions. And that's something we don't want. I, I really don't believe that we want institutions just clamoring up and taking it and really because they don't sell. They're going to be holding for the long term. And that's going to just totally take out even more supply from the market. So, you know, I, I really think the big corporation thing, I think, you know, that's not something we want to get into. I've seen it in some other countries and it's, you know, I could point to some examples where that is not showing a healthy market. And if anything, it's really to a point of no return. Um, I really don't want to see us get there. Uh, I, I am a big proponent of mom and pops being able to use real estate as investment healthy. That's very important, not overextending. Um, um, and I just think, again, we've got, I think, a very healthy investor community here in Canada, especially here in Ontario, very smart people. There's a lot of good information out there that's allowed people to build these types of portfolios. That's not who we should be attacking at all. That is absolutely not who we should be attacking. We should be attacking ways to get the market back to a sense of normalcy. Um, and that certainly, in my opinion, has is not focusing on mom and pops and people like you and I. That is focusing on how do we create more properties? How do we keep these immigrants that are coming to Canada housed and not put them in a bad situation right off the bat? Um, these things are very important. And unfortunately, I feel like we're lacking in that area on the political side. So let's just uh, talk about the basics of you know buying uh, investment real estate. So Dave, you know, you've got a new investor coming to you. What are some of the things that they need to be aware of when making applications for buying a investment property? Well, first of all, you want to know the basic rules, which is that you would want to have a minimum down payment of 20%. You want to be working or you want to have stable income so that you can show the bank that you can afford this property in the event that rental income was not there. Um, that is very, very, very important. But almost more importantly, when you are a new investor to this world, is you want to make sure you're working with someone that can guide you to the right lenders at the right time. And this is very important. A lot of people don't realize this. A lot of banks have limits on how many properties you could have on an application with them and how many properties they will mortgage for you. 
So if you look at all the different banks that are out there, you should really be looking at them as more of a landscape, as more of a map. And you want to kind of pinpoint which lenders do you want to use at the beginning of your portfolio start? Which ones do you want to use near the middle? And which ones do you want to use near the end? Because if you do them in the wrong order, if you use a lender that at the beginning that you should have been using at the end, you will find yourself getting blocked early in your venture to increase your portfolio. And we've seen this time and time again, without the right guidance, we will see investors, not sometimes news, but we have investors come to us. They already have five properties, but they've now been blocked out by certain banks because they went in the wrong order. And now it makes it a lot harder for us to help them. But when you're starting at the beginning as an investor and you really carefully go to the lenders in the correct order that will optimize, that's when we've seen investors now with 17 properties, 20 properties. I had a call with an investor yesterday and it was just such a great call because that investor, I remember that when they had one rental and today they have 17. Now it's been a 15 year journey for them, but it's such a grind and it's been such a, just an amazing outcome for them. And they did it because they followed the advice. They went in the right order. And that's key. Cause today I would say a same family like that, if they didn't do it the right way, you can get maxed out at five or six. When in reality, there's their ability to get up to 17 to 20. So that's huge Todd, in my opinion is going to the right lenders at the right time. Great, great advice there, uh, Dave. Um, listen, if uh, our listeners want to reach out to you, Dave, what's the best way for them to reach you? They can reach us at, uh, at our office, one 684 They can also get us on our email address, uh, info at bmselect.ca. Always welcome listen, uh, working with your listeners, Todd. It's always been a pleasure, man. Yeah, excellent. Thanks so much for joining me this week, Dave. Thank you. That was Dave Butler from BM Select. Always great to have him on the show. And, you know, I, I just, you know, love the energy and always look forward to him joining me. I do want to thank my other guest uh, this hour, Bob Vanderverand. And Bob is the broker of record at Apex Results Realty in Burlington. Uh, really nice to have him on the show and some great information regarding the MLS. So that's it. That is a wrap for this week. Hey, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, coming up Thursday, April the 28th, the Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar is back. You're going to find out who makes the best tenant, where are the best places right now to invest. I know that most people are sitting there saying, yeah, you know what? It's it's getting pretty, pretty out there. But no, there are opportunities. And we are going to announce one that evening. It starts at 7 p.m. So go to simpleinvestor.com to register for that. Or you can follow me on on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. I do want to thank Ian Grant, my producer. As usual, he keeps it simple for me every single week. And more importantly, thanks for joining me. You are making us the number one real estate talk show. So I'll be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010.